feel like it's a clear indication that they feel like one of those two guys could be the guy next season. Uh, but we'll have to see how the rest of the year plays out. I don't think the game's over. Welcome into Triple Zero's the Anti Hot Take Sports Show. I am your host, Josh Buckhalter. Be sure to follow me on X at Josh G Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports. The website is clockersports.com. And of course, the email address is contact at clockersports.com. And you can always follow the show on X uh, and on Facebook at Three Zeros Pot. That's the number three. Zeros and pop. We got a jam-packed show uh, to bring to you this week. I am uh, a little bit under the gun, the uh, time crunch facing here because all three of the NBA teams that I that I cover uh, closely are in action tonight. So we are getting set. That we'll cover all those games, give you some predictions on those games. Uh, but I'm definitely trying to uh, get in the episode before I have to uh, divide, give all my attention to those three games. Again, divided, but. Uh, they will have the majority of my attention. Of course, my kids will also have the attention too, but uh, have have work to do tonight. So definitely want to get an episode in because there was a lot to te- to uh, to discuss, uh, particularly in the NFL with the trade deadline coming up. But there's also some stuff going on in the NBA as well. So we're going to cover all that and we'll probably start off with uh, this uh, the biggest news, I guess, of the weekend was the Bears acquiring uh, edge rusher Montez Sweat. So we'll get right into that kind of talk. <laughs> So the Bears sent a second round pick to the Washington Commanders for uh, edge rusher Montez Sweat, 6'6", 262 pounds, uh, 35 and a half career sacks, uh, six and a half sacks this season, 1.5 sacks in week five against the Bears. Uh, and Sweat met with the media today. Uh, there is no audio this week because there was no practice this week. So we won't have a, a sneak peek audio. I could play that back that uh, James Hartcliffe. I might actually run that back in the uh, later part of the episode. Um, the clip of me talking about, you know, the uh, there was no reason to believe that the, the the Sixers were helping themselves by holding on to hard but not letting him play, keeping him off the plane, all that kind of stuff. They ended up trading. So we'll get to that in a second, though. Um, so I met with the media today, spoke on a, a number of topics, obviously discussed his uh, the trade itself, uh, his future plans, because he is in the final year of his contract and uh, is is uh, set to be one of the, the I guess, higher, uh, more more highly sought free agents this coming summer, right? Next offseason, uh, if the Bears are unable to reach a contract uh, extension with him, agreement on the contract, contract extension with him. General Manager Ryan Poles didn't meet with the media today. He said that that is their plan. They are trying to work on that now. Um, if they don't, they do still have the tr- the franchise tag available to them at the end of the season. Uh, however, that comp- that is complicated because the Bears also have to work out a long-term deal with cornerback Jalen Johnson. And side note from the sweat talk for right now, uh, Poles also addressed Jalen Johnson's situation. He clarified that they had never really gotten to a final offer type of status. Um, he said they were in the, pos- in the position of exchanging or offers, and I guess – in Poles' estimation, or the way Poles presented it, um, Johnson's side did not necessarily appreciate, I guess, the offer that was presented to them and then came back uh, requesting permission to seek a trade. They got that permission. Apparently, the, the deal that came back was not, or offers that came back were not to Poles' liking. He said that he was looking for a late first, early second round pick. Um, I believe we heard rumors that there were second round picks offered, so I'm not sure how you know how high that pick was because I'm not even sure if that was the actual rumor. It could have been mid-round, mid-round picks. I think I heard that as well. Um, long story short though, um, Jalen Johnson is still a Chicago bear and he spoke with me today as well and said that, you know, he's not talking about it throughout the rest of the season. Um, the bears say they're going to still try, they're going to keep trying to, you know, uh, work a long-term deal out. But Johnson did not necessarily sound, uh, off put 
maybe by the right, maybe by not getting the extension, he was off put, but he was not necessarily off put by how things have necessarily played out, right? He kind of it almost sounded matter of fact in his words and sounded very much like somebody who was at peace with things working out and playing out the way they should. Uh, so we'll see what happens at the end of the season, but. Polls did say he's not trying to lose Jalen Johnson. So that's public. And I don't know um, what more other than out showing the money, obviously, um, would be needed to hear from Polls to know what his stance on the matter is, because there's been speculation all along that he was just willing to move on and let go and this, that, and the third because he's drafted well. But his words are he doesn't want to lose him. And all you can take somebody at is what they say. I mean, what they do and what they do, what he did was uh, put a price tag high enough on Johnson to keep suitors away. And keep Johnson in Chicago. So hopefully, uh, for the Bears' sake, they're able to work out some kind of long-term deal. I do think that Johnson deserves to be paid. Uh, the number is up to interpretation because I think it matters what you want your quarterbacks to do. And I'm well aware that he does not have the takeaway numbers that a lot of the top-tier corners have. Uh, but I would say that he probably plays the position a little bit better in terms of just keeping completions from happening, right? He doesn't get targeted a lot. And when he does, they don't really result in too many completions. So um, that, to me could qualify somebody as maybe not upper echelon corner, right? But he's up there. He's in the top top third of the league easily, easily in my opinion. So um, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't try to extend him. I, I wanted to ask him if he had any animosity or resentment. Again, it did not sound that way, but you always want to get that that clarification from a player. I just could not get the question in before uh, he was ushered off of the podium today. So um, looking forward to seeing what they do with that because I really do think that Johnson's one of those guys that you want to keep around said as much we'll see if they can ultimately get something done because again it does take two sides to tangle to get, to get a deal done so um, we'll see how that plays out but I'm, I'm I with the sweat addition if you can keep Johnson I think you're building a very solid solid defense now we could talk about who's going to be around the coach and all of that stuff um, I don't think anybody's changing I'm just putting that out there either I think I, I tweeted that out like you know just a heads up if they continue to trend upwards if the defense trends upwards Iberfus probably stays but that's a conversation for another day back to Montez Sweat um Again, uh, he addressed the media today. Got to speak with him uh, briefly uh, while he asked, slid up there and asked questions for about five, ten minutes. I'm, I'm not really good with time like that because I'm, I'm too worried about trying to actually get my own question in. But um, he addressed a number of topics. Again, I told you he talked about his contract situation, saying that um, he kind of basically said that he lives up to his agent. He's not focused on the monetary thing. He wasn't worried about having leverage. Um, he's letting his agent fa- factor or uh, figure that part of it out. He's still figuring out other things. He was you know, letting us know that he hadn't even figured out where he's going to sleep tonight. So, like, it's a lot of stuff, a whirlwind of things going on for him right now. He will wear number 98. That number was vacated by uh, rookie Javon Dexter Sr. Uh, when Travis Gibson was was let go. Was he traded let go? When Travis Gibson left, right, uh, Javon, Dexter switched, Javon Dexter switched from number 98 to number 99. That number is now was free until Sweat arrived. He was number 90 uh, in Washington. But, um... I asked him today uh, to describe himself. He said he thinks he's a very strong, tenacious player who really just wants to get better every day. Uh, he said he knows he still has a long way to go, but he's happy with the player that he is. I think the Bears are too. Uh, Matty Rufus cited his ability to play the run and the pass. Uh, long, lean. Uh, heard from Tyson Dagent that he was just, uh, he kind of remarked how fast sweat moves for a man of his size. Um, so, again, I gave you the stats 35 and a half career sacks, six and a half this season, one and a half with the ba- versus the Bears. He's also been durable. 67 out of 73 possible appearances. I believe that number is 100% accurate there um, and since being the number 26 overall pick in 2019 so I'm not you know that's what you want availability production um, and and from what we could see 
seemed like a very affable person, a very affable personality, which, which is, you know, adding to a locker room that's already under a lot of stress. I'm sure you don't want to add uh, explosive personalities right now. Um, and so it didn't seem like you were getting that in sweat. He was asked about, you know, preferences and things of that nature. He said he he knew that Atlanta was a team. His agent told him it was, was a team uh, interested in him. But he knows that in the NFL, things don't always work out that way. So he's letting it play out. I think it's somebody who's open to his new situation. I think he was not planning for it, so it was kind of a shock to the system. Uh, but I'm not, I don't think that there's any, you know, we have reports of, of uh, from ESPN's Jerry, Jeremy Fowler talking about, you know, there's been basically downgraded across the board for this because of how they didn't necessarily, uh, they didn't hammer out a new contract with him and they gave up a second round pick. If you all remember, that was the cost to acquire Chase, Chase Claypool as well. That trade did not work out, but Poles said that they he basically said that they learned from that trade and applied to this one. Uh, in my personal view, this is a wholly different person. A, he doesn't have the any of the uh, quote unquote diva uh, baggage that, that Claypool arrived with, right? Um, also, he doesn't have the durability. He's got the more production than Claypool had. Claypool had was really off of one big season and then another, I think, partial, partially decent season. Um, there's just none of the baggage that the, the red flags that were there with Claypool that there are or come with sweat. You just don't get those. So um, it's a totally different position. We know how that works already. Um, longevity, you know, you can remark on he's, I think, 27 years old already. That's fine. That's right in your prime. And, you know, edge rushers can play until damn near 40. So that's not uh, a concern to me either. The only way, in my opinion, that this deal is a loss is if they are unable to reach a long-term deal, even if you keep them on a franchise tag. Um, and I say that because I think that then limits you with Jalen Johnson because I can see those negotiations becoming contentious and the Bears saying, okay, well, we really don't want to lose you, so we're going to hit you with that tag. Um, so they got to work out a long-term deal with one or the other, in my opinion. That's just that's just my thoughts. Um, go ahead and head over to Cocker Sports to read the rest of the Montez Sweat uh, tidbits. He uh, spoke on Justin Fields, talked about his conversations uh, with, with Chase Young. The article also talks about uh, Matt E. Fluce's, uh feeling of, of pressure if he does or does not um, now that they've added another piece of the defense and then I got a very interesting answer in my opinion from uh, general manager Ryan Poles when I asked him how this trade which if it works out for them should improve their roster and uh, you know make them win more games which would take control out of picking a quarterback out of their hands they'd be relying on the Carolina Panthers pick to land in the top two which you just can't you know you can't have faith in that it's a good chance it lands there but you just don't want to rely on that if you can control it they could they decided to add to this roster now as opposed to waiting um, which by the way polls noted was to get ahead of free agency because again sweat's going to be in demand and so I guess they wanted their chance to kind of sell them on their elevator pitch before anybody else got a chance to which I can't can't argue with and if they felt like they he said they were confident he said he was confident in their ability to resign him but if you're not you still now have the ability to franchise tag him so again with with the uh with Jalen Johnson out there also in limbo. Who knows how this is all going to play out? But I think that that was a very interesting answer uh, from Paul's when I asked him about the quarterback situation, how this is going to affect that. You know, you're more wins with that. that does that mean you're comfortable with either Fields or Bajan as your quarterback of the future? His answer to me, and I quote, I would say in general, our philosophy is just continue to add really good football players to this roster so that we can win football games. That's neither a yes or a no, uh, but... I, I guess at this point, anything short of a resounding endorsement is clearly leaving the door open for a replacement for either one of those guys or either one of those guys to play. There's, it's all over the place. I just found that very interesting because almost it's, it's quite evident that this is evident to me because I, I obviously he disagreed <laughs> with that premise. But I think it, it's kind of clear 
that they're comfortable with not with their pick maybe not falling in position to get one of those guys. And maybe we could just say, well, they're just counting on Carolina to fall where it may. Still can't count on that. So I just I feel like it's a clear indication that they feel like one of those two guys could be the guy next season. Uh, but we'll have to see how the rest of the year plays out. And uh, so um, very interested in all that stuff, man. Very very big day. Really interested to get to see Sweat in the locker room. He said he hadn't even seen his locker yet. Um, and just talk to him one on one about the entire journey because it's it's different when you talk to the guys at the podium versus when you get them one on one. They kind of get a little bit more introspective in those moments. So um, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens uh, at tomorrow's practice. Now. Let's address the rest of the trade deadline and some of the teams are winners and losers and things like that. Um, we saw that the uh, Buffalo Bills acquired uh, Rasul Douglas from the Packers. That one kind of surprised me because I thought the Packers were a team that was looking to maybe uh, add pieces to their roster. Trading away an accomplished or established cornerback in, in Rasul Douglas signals maybe that they're okay with treading water for this season or maybe even sliding a little bit to try to improve their chances at a draft pick. Um, quarterback Justin Justin Fields. Jordan Love uh, has has struggled mightily since they swapped, walloped. That's, that's a better word. Since they walloped the Bears in week one. Um, so maybe they're trying to get in position to draft his replacement already. I don't think that's the case. I think they're going to give him some time to kind of work through what ails him because he still flashes some of the ability uh, that they were hyping up before he took over. So we'll see about that. Um the 49ers uh, uh, trading for Chase Young, and I think it's important to kind of go over why I think that deal is good for them, uh, but may not have been as good for the Bears. And first and foremost, I think that it's important to note that Chase Young comes with an extensive injury history. We reconstructed knee, uh, missed the first game of this season with a neck injury. Um, and then, again, I told you about Sweat's production I think Young has like 14 and a half sacks in his career, something like that. It's very a very low number for a number former number two overall pick, um, and one who is you know essentially said that he is going to hit free agency next next offseason. Now, you can say this. Here's the here's the conspiracy theory tinfoil hat type of path here that you could take. You could say the Bears give up a second round pick and they could have gotten Young for a third, but you know you got the naysayers say he's not healthy. Well, they can see if he's healthy, and then if they want. They can if they don't work out something with sweat, maybe they go and throw all that money at Chase Young if he proves to be that guy next offseason. Or maybe they try to do both. I don't know. I'm just saying that they still have options. They're not locked into anything right now, even if they do sign sweat, because they're gonna project to have, if not the top cap space, among the top uh, cap space next offseason too. So they can double dip if they want to. Um, there's a lot of different paths, but I the poll said that they were looking forward to. Uh, making that deal. And this one for the 49ers, who also have Randy Gregory uh, and Nick Bosa. I mean, maybe you've heard of that guy. Mm -hmm. um, that defensive front is is ridiculous. We'll see if Brock Purdy can actually be the quarterback uh, that they built him as because they've gotten rid of a lot of talent, a lot of talent, maybe passed up on some on, on picking up some other talent because they believed in Brock Purdy uh, and what he can do. Uh, if not, whew, look out. Because it's going to be some uh, some some other stuff going on there. My boy Josh Dobbs, former University of Tennessee quarterback, literal rocket scientist, um, was traded from the Arizona Cardinals to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I, I guess now I'm going to have to partially root for him and the Vikings because I do. I'm a big fan. First of all, I'm a big fan of anybody named Josh. It's a great name. I, I'm just just saying, it's a great name. But also, uh, I thought that his story was really cool coming out of college, the rocket scientist thing, and he was. I think he helped design like space missions for NASA like that's really cool stuff um so I've been following him ever since and I'm glad to see him finally get uh, finally got a chance earlier this season maybe he'll get another chance uh, in Minnesota to kind of close out the year and show what he can do if not for them for another team going forward because they do I believe they do want Kirk Cousins back uh, next year that trade I think is a win for the Vikings they have too good of a team to kind of just let things go um and I wouldn't trust uh uh 
was a six round pick or whatever. Jaron Hall out of BYU. Maybe he's got something. Maybe not. I wouldn't just put all my eggs in that basket though. Um, they also have Nick Mullins, but I think he's still coming back from injury. And we've seen that that movie before. We don't have to replay that one again. At least acquiring Dobbs gives you somebody who showed some upside this year, uh, and and you have a system that can you know facilitate or I guess. Uh, that can insulate a quarterback from some of those things because of the weapons that you have when Justin Jefferson gets back, Jordan Addison's emergence, TJ Hawkinson at tight end. You still have Cam Akers at running back. Like you have some talent there. Um, I don't see it being a bad move for them at all. Low cost, pick. I think it was a late six round pick, something like along those lines. That's a, that's a pretty good maneuver. Uh, if you are the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings there. And then for the Cardinals, you're trying to tank anyway. You got Kyler Murray. So if you don't want to trade him, you still got him in the waiting in the wings, but you're also, you know, not, beholden to a guy like Josh Dobbs, who you probably were going to lose at the end of the season anyway. So um, commend them, both sides, really, for being able to kind of strike a deal and find something that kind of helped, again, both sides. Uh, something that you don't really see when, with a lot of deals, but um, I do think that it was interesting. Um, who else do we have here? Uh, oh, I also like the Browns uh, trading. I actually like the Lions into this, but the Lions acquiring Browns receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. A nice compliment to uh, to Amon Ross St. Brown. A uh, bigger body on the outside there. Um, they have weapons. They still have Jamison Williams. They have Josh Reynolds, who's done, who's been very productive, uh, has that rapport with quarterback Jared Goff. This is a move that can, you know, I think Reynolds is a little bit older, 29-30. You still, you know, Williamson has not necessarily come on just yet. He missed a lot of the season with the gambling thing. Um, he's also hurt. Like, like it's been a lot for him. So I think getting people's Jones an established number two option, really number three when everything clicks, right. Um, is a smart savvy move for a team that's, you know, continuing for the playoffs and, and looking to make a deep playoff run for the first time in, in years. I want to say over a decade, but it's been years for damn sure. So um, I can't really, again, there's, there's a lot of stuff that you could fault, uh, but sending a pick that for, for, a receiver like people's Jones, who's not going to be expected to come in and, uh, you know, carry the load. They have St. Brown for that. Like I said, um, they got a tight end, Sam Laporta, rookie Sam, Sam Laporta, Khalif Raymond's a good gadget guy. Like they have weapons there in Detroit. And I guess you just add another piece there in, uh, in your boy people's Jones. I, I really like that maneuver. And then another one, this was a good one. I think that kind of came out of nowhere was the Seahawks getting Leonard Williams. And it's funny because the Seahawks always get these moves. And last one, I think that they did was the, remember they did the, uh, the Jamal Adams trade that has not really worked out for them. He's still a good player, but he just was not what they paid for, I guess with expectation of what they paid for. Um, and they, then they went out this, this trade cycle and acquired Leonard Williams, defensive lineman from the New York giants, a guy who's, Production, I think, goes a little bit unnoticed, or maybe his impact goes unnoticed because he doesn't put up the big numbers like a lot of the other names. I kind of talked to you about that earlier. Um, but he's a very disruptive uh, and, and impactful player in both against the pass and the run. And for a Seahawks team that's built on defense that has two stout corners, two solid corners out there in the perimeter, and Tariq Woolen uh, and, and, and rookie Devon Witherspoon, Devin Witherspoon, um, I just I, I I really really like that move for them. The Giants are a little strange because this is kind of where I was at with the Bears. Um, at some point, you have to stop tearing stuff down. If you don't believe that the pieces that you have are good enough, that's cool. And I, again, this ultimately this move was fine because it, he wasn't helping them win. So why not get something off of him before uh, you have to make other decisions? At the same time, you just wonder why certain organizations do these kind of things. Like I that's this. 
they're right back where they were. And Dable was there to brought there to try to help compete now. And I'm just not sure that you're going to get that uh, moving out pieces like this. Now, maybe this is just their final maneuver. This is one of their few moves that they're going to try to make to do this retool, revamp, whatever you want to call it, they're going to do uh, for the rest of the season and into the offseason. But you kind of want to keep blue chip players, you know, i.e. Jalen Johnson, stuff like that. You want to keep those guys in the house if, if, if at all possible. Um, if not, well, you, you try to recoup. Whatever you can before you lose somebody or somebody gets disgruntled with all the losing. As we've heard from Jonathan Allen and the, and the commanders earlier this week, last week rather, um, players get tired of it. And you want to get ahead of that before they get disgruntled because when they get outwardly disgruntled, their price tag, I guess what you can ask for goes down because players or other teams know that they don't want to be there anymore. And that's just uh, typically an untenable situation. Um, a lot of teams stood pat. The Ravens stood pat. Um, the Chiefs stood pat. Um uh, I'm trying to think of anything other ones that, that kind of stood on look as I scroll through the list of, of different options here. I think the Chiefs standing pat, we talked about this. They didn't have to go add anybody. Um, they proved that they could do it without the top tier names at the perimeter on at wide receiver. Um, I think it's going to be more difficult, obviously, uh, but I'm not the only one who felt that way, so we'll see how that works out. Um, uh, there's not really, there wasn't, if you look back, there really wasn't that many. We had the, the Kevin Byer trade that happened well ahead of the deadline going from the Tennessee Titans to the Eagles. Um, and so those, that stands where it is. That's a good deal, you know, in and of itself because Byer's a really good player. And the Eagles secondary, the defense really has just not been the same. And so maybe he can help at least sure up the back end there and, and buy that front a little bit more time to uh, get home to the quarterback a little bit more often uh, now that he's arrived. But I think the winners... I think the Bears are winners, man. I, you can say what you want to say. You can say they gave up a lot. I am not one who hangs his hat too heavily on single singular picks in trades. It's when you start giving up packages, right? Remember, the Bears still have two first round picks, so they can trade back and acquire another first or another late first round pick and a second round pick if they want to, uh, if if the opportunity presents itself when the draft arrives. So. I'm not, I, I get it. I get the concern 100% and it's valid. Uh, it's just not affecting me. I'm not that guy because I feel like you got a guy that you wanted. I'm, I'm very rarely in the camp of, of you overpaid when you got a guy who clearly other teams are going to target and was a guy who can help you now. Like there's, there's a lot to like. There's enough to like about Montez Sweat in a vacuum to not be overly concerned with the price tag because if it works out like they want and you can say, oh, he's never had a 10 sack season. He's been impactful other ways. He still affects the run. He still affects the quarterback, even if he doesn't get home. Like those are those are key things. Um, then, you know, you got to pay, man. We'll see. We'll see. I, I don't. I don't. I, like I said earlier, I don't know so necessarily think that uh, tagging him or Johnson benefits the Bears at all. It obviously takes the tag away from using it on the other one. Uh, but I think that both players are guys that you want to keep around. I'm not mad about this trade, and I don't think you should be either. Man, that's that's one. That's my my top winner just because the team that I cover. But I also think, um, I think the Lions were winners, right? Uh, the Chiefs were not winners, but they weren't losers. The losers might be the, the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, you had a chance to move off of Devontae Adams. You would have had to eat a lot of dead money, and I get that. Uh, but disgruntled players are cancerous. They're not cancerous, but they're cancerous to a locker room. That that permeates throughout, you know, interactions with players. They're going to be asked about it. They got to address it. He's going to have to address it. Your, your interim coach, Antonio Pierce, is going to have to address it. Pierce t- stepped in and took over and then sat down Jimmy Garoppolo. Or, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo and said that he's going to be uh, rolling with Aiden O'Connell for, for the foreseeable future. So, like, it's just... You, you could have done something. You did nothing. Um, the Tennessee Titans holding on to Derrick Henry. Like, what are you doing? What are you guys doing? I don't understand teams that are clearly heading towards a rebuild or at least a retool trying to hold on to their edging star simply because of name value. And, oh, this guy means a lot to us. Well, if he means a lot to you, let him get a chance to go and compete for something for real. 
I've been I've been on the Titans case for a couple of years now that I'm, I think their staff is a little bit over overblown over overrated uh, and that they fall short of what they should be uh, given some of the rosters that they've had. A lot of that's been due to to Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill under center, uh, but also I think the coaching staff is just not necessarily it. Right? They don't necessarily have it. You can say that about a lot, but I just think that that's one of them. Um, like I said, the Chiefs are kind of just in the middle, man. Um, they they could have used the help, but they didn't need the help. So they can't be losers, but they, they didn't win. That's just the way it is. Um, the Lions, who else? That's about it, man. I think Montez Sweat and, and Chase Young are going to be the biggest winners of all this because they're going to get paid. Right? If, if Young is healthy like, like, everybody, like he's been this season and, and can get to free agency next year, he's going to be paid. Montez Sweat gets to free agency next year, he's going to get paid. If he gets... Uh, an extension with the Bears. He's going to get paid. Young's not getting that with the Niners. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, but I'm just saying, those are clearly the biggest two winners uh, of this trade deadline. Now, we also heard that the Atlanta Falcons uh, were were supposed to be uh, in on Justin Fields. Again, on Montez Sweat, right? So the fact that they came in with nobody and they have to roll with Tanner Heineke now at, at quarterback. And, you know, we still don't know what, if Arthur Smith is a good coach. He's not. Um they're kind of in limbo. They're a loser. Any team that was out here heavily pursuing somebody, if you fell short, you have to be a loser. And that doesn't mean you're going to lose the rest of the season or your season's done or anything like that. But you lost the trade deadline. Now, that's like winning the offseason. It only means something if you actually can put wins in the, in the wins and loss column. Um, other than that, though, the players win because bidding services, a bidding war means the price go up. Yesterday's price is not today's price, right? Um I, I overall, like I said, I think that it was a good day uh, for the Bears. I think that it was a good day for the Lions. I think the, the Chiefs and the Raiders probably could have done more. The Raiders especially. Uh, the Titans probably could have done more. Um, other than that, I think that that's about it. I'm trying to look. I'm trying to before I, I move on. I don't want to move on without addressing every single deal that was made. Uh, the Seahawks were obviously winners. Vikings. Um, the Jaguars. <sighs> There's not too many losers here, to be honest with you, man. The only people who are, who were, who were losers are the teams that I mentioned, like who the 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 Titans who held on to somebody, the the Falcons who could have done more, the the Raiders who held on to somebody. Those teams probably wish that they'd have done a little bit more in the off in the in the uh, post time post period after the trade deadline passed, right? Uh, but. For the most part, it was some good deals. Listen, we wring our hands every single season about they overpay for this guy, they underpay for this guy, they overpay for this guy. How often does that even is that even remembered? Unless it flames out like the Chase Claypool, that one's going to probably be come up for a, quite some time. But most often, it's kind of just a sunk cost. Yeah, you want that player. Don't get me wrong, but to act like that's the end all be all, I just feel like that's a bit overblown. I feel like a lot of times. For, because it's the Bears, people just want to kind of rag on them. That's enough of the Bears, man. I've been talking about them all this uh, this entire time. Uh, we do have another exciting, uh, obviously, week of football coming up. The Week 8 slate uh, will be or Week 9. Dang, man, this, this season has flown by, um, and I just don't know if I'm able to catch up because every time I try to write something, I'm, I'm just looking at, like, man, it's this, this day, it's this day, it's this day, and like I said, we're already uh, here in Week 9. So let's go through and pick some games before we switch our topics here. Uh, the Titans at the Steelers. Uh, give me the Steelers. I don't have faith in either quarterback that will be under center. Kenny Pickett, I believe, is returning for the Steelers. Uh, will Levis will start for the Titans. And maybe, I guess you could say, there's some more uh, intrigue in what Levis can do after his four-touchdown game last week. Uh, but I'm giving the Steelers at the crib uh, on Thursday night football. Sunday's 8.30 game, right? I don't know where this one is. It's overseas, though. Uh, Chiefs and Dolphins. That's going to be interesting because it's going to be Tyreek Hill's first matchup against the Chiefs since they traded him uh, last offseason. Not this past one, the one before that, ahead of the 2022 season. Um, And he's already said that he's going to try to put some deuces up on him and and hit the afterburners. Now, 
It's funny. Side note. Got into a bit of a tussle, tussle, tiffy, whatever, tizzy. Uh, I got into a bit of an argument with Chiefs fans over the weekend uh, because I said after Tyreek Hill became the fastest to 1,000 yards or something like that uh, this past weekend, that the Chiefs don't make many mistakes. Brett Beach doesn't make many mistakes, but trading Hill was one of them. And I said it. And I didn't even think that it was going to be that big of a deal. But there were so many people who were mad. Oh, they won without him. And that's that there. People were attacking me for not understanding salary cap and don't know how to team, how to roster build. Fans at home, mind you, were telling me that I just didn't know it. So that's cool, too. Uh, at the same time, you can't tell me that you watched them lose to the Denver Broncos this past weekend and didn't think, damn, you know what would really help? A game-breaking wide receiver. To kind of get loose, to kind of find spots in the defense to take advantage of spots that aren't there for most other players. They don't have that, right? You can say, oh, they got Travis Kelsey. He's in, and as long as Mahomes is healthy, you know, that, that's the, stir, the, the, the straw that stirs the drink. That's cool. That's cool. But we've seen, even, even last year's Super Bowl run had Juju Smith-Schuster stepping up and, and playing uh, out of his mind. Thousand-yard receiver that year, damn near. Where is that guy? Is he on the roster right now? I don't know if you see him. I mean, I, I, Rasheed Rice is out here leading, leading him. He might get there. He might get there. He's a talented receiver. I just, relying on rookies for championship teams just has not worked out often enough to say, yeah, that's a good idea. In my eyes. I, again, as many people on social media decided to tell me this past weekend, I'm wrong. But I could be wrong. But that's fine. I don't care. I don't think I am. I still say that that trade was a bad idea. Uh, Hill has offered up his latest rendition of how things went down. And he said that he told his agent number one thing was he didn't want to leave Kansas city. Mm. He said he would have taken a team friendly deal. Mm. Instead, when they came back with the numbers or whatever, something happened and he ended up going to the dolphins. It could have been the jets. It ended up being the dolphins and the rest is history. Sounds to me like they could have used him. We see that sounds to me like he wanted to stay. Sounds. That's what it sounds like, but nah, it wasn't a big deal. No, nothing, you know, whatever. Anyway, let's get the rest of the slate. I think that the Chiefs uh, lose this game, honestly. And I think this is where it shows up. I think that you see uh, a Tyreek Hill get loose. Um, I believe Jalen Wallace, if Jalen Wallace is healthy, that's two guys that are going to get loose. Chiefs have some talented corners. This defense has been, I think, if not D, one of the best this uh, this season. Pass rusher will give Tua some problems, but he's got the receivers on the outside to take advantage of some of that aggression, uh, some of that youth in the secondary. And so we'll see how that one plays out. But give me the Dolphins on the road quote-unquote, because they're both on the road, um, 8.30 uh, in week nine. Also, moving on, Vikings-Falcons. Uh, Vikings. I don't like the Falcons roster. I think the Vikings have a good defense, and I think that they will rally at least for one game around whoever is under center. I believe it's supposed to be Jaron Hall uh, this weekend. So give me the Vikings in that game. Saints-Bears at Saints. Saints. Um, I like the Bears, what they're trying to build. I really do. Um, that's not lip service. That's not just because I'm there every day. That's literally what I like. I, I like what they're trying to do. What they have done and what they say about what they're trying to do sometimes is off-putting, but I like, I like what I see on paper where I could see it going if things uh, work out for them. But I'm taking the Saints this weekend because that defense is tough. Uh, it's a road matchup. It will be rookie Tyson Bajan again under center. Um, and so I'm just I'm going to go with the experience of Derek Carr, the, um, the versatility of that offense, because remember, you got the guy like Taysom Hill who can line up under center, out wide, in the slot, wherever, take a handoff. Um, I think Taysom Hill might have a good weekend this week. Um, so I'm taking the Saints. In the Superdome against the Bears. Packers at Rams. Neither one of these teams have been very good this year, but I think the Rams uh, will be a slightly better in this game than the Packers will just because the Packers. Now, it's in, it's in Lambeau, and this is a West Coast team coming to the East in what could be a cold game. So maybe that, that plays a, a factor, but this, the, 
And again, I have no confidence in this pick because the Rams have not been good enough for me to, to have confidence. In. I don't have any faith in the Packers, but I have such little faith in what the Rams do that I can't necessarily make them the clear cut favorite in this one either. So I'm going to take the Rams. But, you know, if I'm wrong, this probably be this is the first one where I felt less than confident in what my answer is going to or what what my my pick was. Patriots hosting the Commanders. Uh, commanders don't lo- have, no longer have edge rushers. Um, they got some young guys, Casey Tuhill, and those kind of guys are out there. Uh, I think F.A. Obata. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling names right now, and I, I'm not even sure those are accurate. But those are the guys I think they're going to be replacing Young uh, and Sweat on the edges on that defense. Taking on a Patriots team that lost their top wide receiver in Kendrick Bourne. Mac Jones has not looked anything like the quarterback that he was built to be, not, not often enough at least, um, over this season and really dating back to last year. Commanders still have some talent, um, so I can see, and they're all. It's still, it's a lot of it's still on offense, so I can see them taking advantage of the Patriots that way and, and winning that game just because they can put up some more points than the Patriots are seemingly built to do. Uh, that being said, it's Sam Howell going against Bill Belichick, and I'm just going to give the hoodie one more benefit of the doubt and say that the Patriots win this one at home uh, and somehow figure out a way to maybe quiet down Sam Howell uh, and take advantage of that depleted defense. So so far, we have Steelers, Dolphins. Vikings, Saints, Rams, and Patriots, okay? And now we're going into the last couple of games of the noon slate, the Seahawks at the Ravens. Uh, Leonard Williams is going to be a great addition, but I think that the Seahawks are most lethal when they're at home, uh, which could be the same for any team, but you know that that 12th man advantage that they have there is a little bit different. Uh, Give me the Ravens at home. Buccaneers. Visiting the t- the Houston Texans, uh, depending on how Baker Mayfield fares, I think he's supposed to be good for good to go for this weekend. Uh, I would take the Buccaneers; they're just a more talented roster than the the Texans are at this point. Uh, Cardinals at the Browns. Neither one of these teams have been very good this year. Uh, I'm going to take the Browns again because they're at home. The Cardinals are starting, I believe, uh, Clayton Toon, rookie Clayton Toon, a quarterback this this week. So you know, it's I think it's PJ Walker. I don't even know who's who's starting for quarterback at Browns because it was Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think he got hurt. They had PJ Walker going last weekend. Um, so we'll see who ends up going there. But I'm I'm taking the Browns anyway because they're at home and I, I don't have any faith in what the Cardinals can do. Um, despite them showing some moxie earlier this season, I just you're changing another quarterback to an, uh, another rookie who's not highly tied. Like I just don't see it happening uh, for you this weekend. And then moving on to the three o'clock slate game slate of games: Colts at Panthers, two teams that are are bad, but one of them has their their. Rookie quarterback, the rookie first-round pick quarterback uh, in the Panthers with Bryce Young, while Anthony Richardson for the Colts is out for the season after having, I think, an AC joint injury. Uh, They have Gardner Minshew running things right now. That could turn the tides. That could actually make this be more of a Colts game because Minshew can play. It's not like he can't play. He may be a backup all long-term, but he can still play the game. Uh, The Panthers have got their first win last week over the Texans. Um, I know Bears fans don't want to hear any more of those, so um, I would like to take the Colts, but because the Panthers are at home and they have shown some things over the past uh, week or so, a couple weeks, I think Bryce has played a little bit better than maybe some of the national narrative has gotten to him. Um, Give me the Panthers at home. The Giants at the Raiders. The Raiders, and I say that because the Giants have taken away from their team. Uh, the Raiders didn't do anything, but there's there seems to be sometimes that that bit of a jolt that can come when you change regimes like this. You change overhead coaches like this. Quarterback change too, and you know rookies can go out there and play a little bit freer, a little bit with a little bit uh, without fear of a, you know fear of abandon, whatever the case, reckless abandon. There we go, because they just aren't. They're not tethered to the same type of experiences. They're not. They're not weighed down by those fears and things like that. They just don't know what they don't know yet, right? So give me the Raiders at home over the Giants. I'm not faithful in that one. That's probably the second one right behind uh, my earlier pick of the pa- the Rams at the Packers. Cowboys and Eagles, this should be a good, good, fun game. Uh, I want to say it's going to be a shootout because, again, both defenses uh, can give up some points when they're not locked in. 
uh, fully, but the Cowboys defense has been better than the Eagles this season. Uh, we'll see if that continues in, in this week. You know, division games change up a lot of things. I'm going to take the Eagles at home. Uh, I was very tempted to go with the Cowboys because I like what they've been doing. I like I like the Cowboys roster. Um, I like that defense especially. But I'm going to take the Eagles at home because I just don't know if they're – I think that that's a big advantage, you know, being there um, in Philly – Outside, not in the dome, in the in the in Jerry's world, will make a big difference in this one. And then you have Sunday night football, Bills at Bengals. Give me the Bengals, and I think that's because the Bengals can offer, can can utilize a more balanced attack. At least they do so more often than what the Bills do. The Bills are very content to let Josh Allen sling it and then hand it off a couple of times if need be. Um, I think until they figure that balance out, the Bills will never go as far as they possibly could go. Um, but that's another another conversation for another day. The Bengals will do it. The Bengals will throw it to Chase. They'll throw it to Higgins. They'll they'll hand it off to Mixon. They'll throw it to Mixon. You know, it doesn't matter. And I think that that to me is what gives them the edge. And this one, we'll see how it all plays out. Monday Night Football, the Chargers versus the Jets. Give me the Chargers. I think they might have maybe not found something versus the Bears, uh, but they got some confidence back versus the Bears. And this Jets defense is good, but it's not impenetrable. And I think when you get a guy like Justin Herbert, who might still throw that customary interception, I think that he can still do enough damage to them to kind of uh, come away with the victory here on the road on Monday Night Football. So... Full recap of my week nine NFL picks. We have the Steelers, the Dolphins, the Vikings, the Saints, the Rams, the Patriots, uh, the Ravens, the Buccaneers, the Browns, the Panthers, the Raiders, the Eagles, the Bengals, and the Chargers. It's a lot of home cooking, uh, but I just, that's the way it shakes out, man, you know? And then now, I guess that means we can probably switch gears. And talk about some of the NBA dealings. We got to react to that James Harden trade, man. I remember telling you guys, you know, this was something that was maybe not dear to me, but I definitely felt a a certain type of way about it because it didn't make sense to me that the Philadelphia 76ers were actively uh, submarining, really, James Harden's trade value by not playing him uh, or by not letting him be around the team. It just didn't seem like a very smart idea. Uh, to kind of go that route when you were trying to trade him, when he said he didn't want to be there. And like I just told you earlier, that's, that's a very uh, often an untenable situation uh, for players, for management, for teammates, because no one wants what's happening, and yet that's what's happening. And I think that that was where they were going uh, before they got a little bit, I guess, got their wits about them, right? And decided they were the, 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 cooler, of, the cooler heads would prevail. Um, and they finally reached a decision to send him to the LA Clippers. I want to play that clip back. Uh, before I move on and discuss my, my thoughts on the actual trade itself. Here's what I had to say on the last episode about the Sixers uh, kind of standoff, I guess, with James Harden. I don't think the game's over. The James Harden fiasco just keeps on rolling, man. That's old man River. Um, Harden held out for most of the offseason, popped into the to, to, uh, training camp in the preseason, didn't do much, didn't stay long, didn't do, you know, wasn't showing up often, but he was there. And was cool with teammates, was disengaged from the ownership, from management, has a feud with Daryl Morey going um, but then he tried to show up for the team flight to get ready for the regular season. They told him, no, you just wonder what is their ultimate, uh, their ultimate goal here? Because if you don't move him, you're going to end up losing him for nothing. And you don't want to do that either. Uh, you keep him, you end up looking kind of weird. And again, wildly petty because players probably aren't going to understand players, players talk to each other. Even if you don't let him on the team playing, he's still going to talk to his teammates. And so it's weird. It's a weird choice to do that and kind of alienate him further, further make this a spotlight story and further bring attention to yourself for the wrong reasons. It's just none of it makes sense on any level uh, if you're the 76ers. Triple zeros on the clock. 
as you can see, I felt very passionately about that one. Um, did not did not agree with their decision. I do agree with this decision. I like the return that they got. Uh, a pair of first-round picks and a swap. They also got Robert Covington in the deal. Like, just some filler. Salary cap filler. Uh, but I like that it set them up to make another deal. You didn't just trade them to get rid of them. You traded them to set yourself up because you know you got to keep Joel Embiid happy. And it, it that's the right that's the right play. The right play is to focus on your star and and keep whatever you can. Somebody that doesn't want to be there, there's only so much that you can do. And again, uh, as we see with the Bears and trying to convince Montez Sweat and Jalen Johnson to stick around, um, it takes two sides to, to tango. However, with this, the, the Sixers had much more control than they were seemingly letting, like they were acting like. Right? They were acting like they were kind of at the at the the mercy of Harden's decision-making when clearly you guys could have done what you wanted to do. Now, you could say that the Clippers finally decided to make that offer worthwhile, whatever the case may be, they, by getting that second uh, direct first-round pick and not just another swap in there. Uh, cool, that's fine. But I think that this was a much better way for this to resolve than for the Clip, for the Sixers, rather, to try to do anything to hold James Harden and keep him... Um, keep him I guess, in place for any foreseeable future. Um, again, said that there will be a... There's, we're getting this done ahead of the NBA slate of games tonight. Uh, a very interesting slate. We already have the Bucks and the Raptors uh, playing. You got the Pistons and the Trailblazers. Um, I guess we could pick some games tonight, too, before we get up out of here. That sounds like fun, right? Bucks and Raptors give me the Bucks in this one. Uh, the Raptors are a good team, and they are at home. But the Bucks, I think, maybe get tired of... of the the letdown that they had against the Hawks and want to kind of show that they are that juggernaut that they were put together to be. So maybe we'll see that now. I do think they pull it out regardless. However, it turns out, I think the Buccaneers, Buccaneers, <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks come away with the victory over the Toronto Raptors tonight. Uh, the Blazers are facing the Pistons. Give me the Pistons. Uh, Blazers are too young right now. They got some older people, so maybe they can pull it out that way. But Pistons at home, uh, t- Pistons are a young, feisty team. Um, so I, I will give I will take the Pistons there long term. Pacers visiting the Celtics. Celtics. This is a championship. Uh, uh, contending roster going up against an up and coming roster in the Pacers, but not one that can just handle the waves of talent that the, the the Celtics can throw at you. Hawks are hosting the Washington Wizards in a matter of minutes here, about 15 minutes from from tip off, or from about 24 minutes rather from tip off right now. Um, give me the Hawks, man. Three in a row for the Hawks. Uh, they get above 500. Uh, for the first time this season, and I think that they answer a lot of questions just because it's a bum team, right? But I think that you want to see the Hawks not take a bum team lightly. That's kind of what happened with them against the Hornets. They took a team that they shouldn't have been taken lightly, lightly and end up having to fight for that victory. I think if they come out tonight and put their foot on the Wizards' necks immediately and kind of get that taken care of right out the gates. Uh, the Nets visiting the Heat. Um, this is a toss-up. I'm going to take the Heat. I think the Heat are tougher than the Nets are, and it's at, it's in Miami, uh, but I don't think that's going to be a blowout by any stretch. I don't, think the, I don't even know, think the Heat blow people out like that, but I just I have, I have faith in their ability to kind of pull out this W against a Nets team that's still kind of missing that final piece that pulls this roster all the way together. Um, be it a point guard, be it Simmons, Ben Simmons finally realizing his true potential or whatever the case may be, um, there's just something missing from this Nets roster to make it feel like an actual contender for anything serious um, in the future, so... That's where I stand on that one. Give me the heat in that game. Uh, Cavaliers visiting the New York Knicks. That should be a good battle. And I want to say the Knicks, but I feel like I could see the Cavs going off and doing something because Donovan Mitchell is going to want to show up. Now, this could just turn into the Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson show, which I'm all here for. Uh, but I also could see Julius Randle uh, asserting himself and not in, in the positive way. I could see him putting up shots, uh, out-of-pocket shots, and, and kind of getting the Knicks in trouble in this game. So um, I'm going to say the Cleveland Cavaliers in this one. I think that the Cavs go ahead and get the road victory over the New York Knicks, who are tough, and it is MSG, but I'm just going to take the Cavs in this one. Pelicans 
uh, at the Thunder. Give me the Thunder, man. I am I am all in on this Thunder roster. The Chet Holmgren experience, the uh, the the two J Dubs, right? Uh, I'm I'm all Shea Gilgis, Alex. I'm all in on this roster being one of the teams that you just do not want to face on a regular uh, basis. And the Pelicans are a team that I've always felt like is just not it. It's just not it. This isn't the group. This isn't the team. Um, I like Brandon Ingram. I like Zion Williamson. I'm okay with CJ McCollum, but I just don't think that this combination of players is it. And so I'm never going to have much faith in them being able to do anything, even if they show me. This is just, I don't think that they have the long term, the high enough ceiling long term to be uh, a viable option, right? As is, as constructed. So we'll see what happens there, but give me the thunder in this contest uh, tonight. Hornets at Rockets. It's a full slate of games. Hornets at Rockets. Give me the Rockets. I don't have any reason behind it. This, this game could be high scoring, uh, but neither one of these teams are really great defensive teams, and they're both young teams, so give me the Rockets just because they're at home. Nuggets at the Timberwolves. Nuggets, man. And I, I'll lose a lot, but I'm probably not going to be betting against the Nuggets on too many nights unless I know that they have some serious injury issues. Um, and it's not because I just don't trust, trust the Timberwolves. I just trust what the Nuggets do, well-oiled machine, uh, chemistry, and all that kind of stuff a little bit more than what the, the Timberwolves can do, even when they're right. And I'm, I'm a huge Anthony Edwards fan, uh, but give me the Nuggets in this game tonight. Bulls at Mavericks, no Kyrie Irving. Luka Doncic is going to probably go off on his own. Bulls have done well with their defense. They held the paces below their season average for scoring in their last game. Uh, Bulls have won a couple of games this season, 2-2 two and two on the season. Uh, but they are also very much teetering on the brink of, it seems like, a collapse every single game. So um, who knows what happens if they aren't able to pull out a victory tonight, what the discourse is going to be. Uh, but give me the Bulls, just because Luka is going to be by himself and it won't, there won't be the Kyrie Irving to take some of that pressure off in the night and the Bulls are uh, largely healthy. So um, Grizzlies visiting the Jazz. Uh, give me the Jazz. No, no Steven Adams, no John Morant. Jazz are healthy at home and in that altitude, I think that the Jazz will get that victory. Clippers at the Lakers. Unfortunately, we will not get to see James Harden make his debut against the Lakers. That would have been a great, great game for him to come and uh, make his first appearance with this new team uh, against the, the, the team that could have gotten in on that, on that deal as well. Uh, but give me the Lakers in this one. Uh, I'm just not, I, I, these are two teams that should be a lot better than they are on a more consistent basis. Uh, it's a little bit disappointing, especially with the Clippers and all they, they, the, the, the fanfare of them being put together and all of the talking that they have done and all the, the, the bravado that was put forth after the, they had come together for them to be as flat as they've been in the year since, I think is just the, an utter disappointment. Uh, and then the Lakers, the Lakers with LeBron James, the Lakers had championship aspirations anyway, all the time with LeBron James, anything less is a failure. And so now without them being, you know, near perfect, it's always seemed like they're just, it's not good. They've, they played a tough magic team the other night to uh, a close game close finish um, and people were upset about the victory and I don't know if it's because they don't know how good the magic can actually be on a night to night basis or if they really just feel like that you know like I said for the Lakers perfection is a, is a standard um, but I think that they do win this game against the Clippers uh, tonight because parts of the Clippers are going to be a little bit short handed and so that'll help them uh, with the Lakers trying to figure out again they're trying to still tighten up their rotations a little bit and figure out who works where and guys are trying to get out of the slums and stuff like that meanwhile the Clippers are just trying to stay healthy until they can get everybody there. And side note, I think that that's what this trade does for Har- for Harden. More than elevate the Clippers, I think it kind of uh, elevates their floor. It doesn't, make, it doesn't raise their ceiling as much as it raises their floor. Because now, you know, you're not... You're going to have guys, these guys are going to get injured. These are all injured. Harden, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard are all injury-prone guys. The only one who's healthy is Russell Westbrook. And, of course, he's probably the least, um, I don't want to say effective, but the least, I just use it for lack of a better term right now, effective of, out of all three of those guys. He's just got the most energy and the most, like, has durability. So, um, but what you're not doing, you're not relying on them to be healthy. If, they, if one of those guys, maybe even two of those guys get hurt, you still should have 
two to three more guys to kind of carry the load until that guy can get back or at least close enough to where uh, once another one goes down, that guy's close to coming back and you're not just treading water with nobody like they were doing for long stretches of last season into the postseason. So um, give me the uh, Lakers in that game, uh, but the Clippers, I think that James Harden trade was gonna, definitely going to help stabilize them more than it does anything for their ceiling. That's just my thoughts on it because I think that they, they could have gotten by. They were If they were all healthy, they wouldn't need James Harden, but I think that adding him, uh, because you can't count on him in the playoffs to produce, uh, so I think adding him is just kind of elevates their floor for the regular season and gives them some kind of a, ba- a higher baseline than they would have had if they didn't make the move. And then finally, our last game of the evening will be the Kings and the Warriors. Give me the dubs. Steph Curry's on one. Um, De'Aaron Fox, I believe, is set to miss this game with that ankle injury. He's going to be out, I believe, for a while. I know he's going to be uh, he's, he's dealing with some, some issues with the ankle. Um, he's going to be out this game. I'm just not sure of how long after this game he will be out as well. Uh, so give me the dubs in this one, man, because I just, I, Steph Curry, the chef. That's, that's about all I got on that one. Um, we're looking forward to it, though. A good, exciting uh, slate of games. Again, I'm still flirting with the idea of bringing back a second show for the week so I can kind of cover both things with all the games that are being covered and all that happens in both the NBA and NFL. It's just too much for one show, more most uh, more often than not. Uh, also trying to get some more guests coming on uh, because we have to get those going back up as well. Uh, but, you know, again, really, really, really busy and really thinking about adding a second show just so we can cover all of the exciting content, all the exciting things that are happening both in the NBA and NFL with the Bears, with the with the Chiefs, with the, the Hawks, with the uh, with the the Lakers, with the Bulls. So um, yeah, man, glad that anybody's here rocking with me. And and again, if I didn't say in the beginning because I don't think I did, but like, subscribe, follow, share, rate, review, and all those great things. This is gonna do it for this episode of Triple Zeros, the Anti High Tech Sports Show. Uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh e. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, ClockerSports.com. Email address is contact at ClockerSports.com. And of course, follow the show on X and on Facebook uh, at Three Zeros Pod. That's the number three zeros in Pod. And read the stuff. Uh, last road on sports soaring down south heavy on bulls heavy on lakers and of course you can read everything at clockersports.com until the very next time we'll have to see how the rest of the year plays out